Welcome to this edition of the John Papalini Show. Today, we have Tammy Johnson. Tammy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, John. Absolute pleasure. Why don't we start off the show with the way I start off all podcasts, with a description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Okay, so I am the hold your hand and kick your ass business coach. I've been working with small businesses for over 21 years now, and I specialize in working with entrepreneurs as early in their journey as possible, like idea stage up to two years is where I like to work because that's where I can have the most positive impact. And I work on teaching them the basic foundational skills that they need to first survive the first two years and then go on to thrive. Interesting. Now, how did you get into that? It was sort of just came about i've always been interested in business like i've been studying money business and success since i was seven years old but my actual professional background is in financial services i've been in financial services for over 30 years now i was fired from a job i absolutely hated and in that moment i decided to finally listen to all the people that were telling me to start my own business and go into sales of that so i did and i started working with a lot of self-employed small business owners and one of the things that I was discovering as I was helping them out with their personal financial stuff is that they really needed help on the business side. They were technicians. They knew their product or service, but they lacked the business skills in order to really make things happen. And I'm going, well, that's something that I'm naturally good at, something that I've been learning, something that I've been teaching because in my former life, before I started my own business, my job was to hire and train other agents on sales and all sorts of other things. So I started helping them with their businesses and their businesses started doing better. And I had a greedy, motivated self-interest because broke people can't afford investments or insurance. And so they really were starting to see some very positive results on the personal financial side, but especially on the business side. So they started sending me like their colleagues and their other business friends and stuff like that. So I started teaching classes for small business and that. And then in 2019, I actually split my business into two. So I still have my personal financial planning company, but I also have KSA business where I focus on teaching the business side. Right. Where you got me was that you start off by getting, you know, getting fired from a job that you absolutely hate. Yep. Usually when people start that line is I got fired from a job I absolutely love and I was devastated and <laughs> you were the polar opposite. So <laughs> I well, it was it actually a total blessing because like I said, I, I didn't hate the job. I hated where I was and I was sick and tired of working for creepy incompetent old men. And I was already looking for another job. I was interviewing it. If it had been one more week, I would have been into another place and I would have been happy there for a while until the same shit, different pile. And I got called into my boss's office and he fired me and he expected me to be all upset. And I just, I had this big grin that broke all across my face and I started <laughs> laughing a little bit. And he was like, what the heck? And I just, it was like, I felt this huge weight being lifted off of my shoulders. And I like literally was going in my head. I never have to work for another creepy incompetent old man again. And I just, yep. Okay. I'm finally going to do this. I'm going to go into sales because that's the last thing in the world that I wanted to do. And it was just great. But then I had to go home and tell my husband. Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. Anybody watching or listening, here's the message. If you find yourself in, in, in a job that you absolutely hate working for creepy old men, quit. <laughs> you will feel such relief. Just quit. 
or tell well, them you want to be fired because it's more it, satisfaction. It's it's more satisfaction. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a big fan. I like I love getting what I call the praying for the pink slip crowd. The people that want to get. Can I please be in the next round of layoffs so that I can get a package and stuff so I can go off and do whatever I want? I'm a big fan of using that hatred of your job to start putting your ducks in a row because one of the many reasons why I do what I do now and I specialize in the idea stage to two years because I went into starting my business in a much, much better position than the vast majority of people. But there's still so much stuff that I wish I had known beforehand. Like I go, if I could go back and talk to me one year before I was fired and say, okay, you're getting ready to start your business. You need to get going on these things. It would have made my life so much easier and it would have reduced the pain factor like exponentially. So relief is a good thing, but I'm a big fan of, okay, let's be a little bit better prepared if at all possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Now, you know, and that's the interesting part. Like, it, it's, again, that was unique to me. Mm -hmm. So love that story. But like, it's funny because you said you were in a job that you hated. Like, my question is, what made you stay there? that long employee mindset was a big part of it not wanting to do not wanting to do sales thinking that okay if i just keep working hard and all this stuff it can get better and then like you said i started i was already looking for another job i had a good reputation because i'd already been in the industry for almost a decade and was interviewing and looking around and stuff like that. The idea, because I've had people telling me that, Tammy, you'd be really, really good at this. Like you should go into sales. You should start your own business. And I kept going, okay, well, I'm, when I was first being told this, I'm going, I'm 19, female, blonde with boobs. Like this is not going to go well. Nobody's going to listen to me about for their investing advice. They want a 50 year old wet man with salt and pepper hair. And so I kept pushing it off and pushing it off. And like I said, the, the, myth of the security of the safe regular paycheck was a thing because like i had a mortgage and all that thank goodness at the time i didn't have my daughter yet but then i complicated things right after that and got pregnant shortly after i started my business so that was lots of fun <laughs> yeah apparently you like complication yes throw it at me i will get through it i'm just going i didn't think i had a masochistic streak but reality <laughs> says otherwise Love that. That's funny. But you brought up another point here, right? Like, like I, I guess me being that male and as I get older, I won't have the gray hair as you can see. <laughs> but aside from that, I mean, I, I think I'm following along those uh, images, you know, of that being that older man, whatever. And, but where I'm going with this is that it kind of surprises me hearing that, uh, you know, the perspective from a woman, mm. right? Like I, like as a male, I don't think of it. And I guess why would I think of it? Cause we don't go through that, but it, it's just, so for me, it's like, like it's, it's almost shocking, but not shocking if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But wow. Interesting how you thought, you know, thought that far, but brings up to the other thing, right? So it's like, in a way you were trying to start two businesses and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, you ended up with one. Um, no, I ended up with both? two. I split, I, I, I split. So like I said, I still have my personal financial. I'm not working on growing that. I look after my clients and when they send me referrals, I work with that, but I don't do anything marketing. What? But to be honest, I haven't done anything marketing wise for it for years because I built it in such a way that my new clients come in through two ways speaking. Cause I do a lot of speaking and media appearances. Like I get called in to be the media expert quite regularly. So I get clients that way, but most of my clients for almost the last 20 years have come in as referral, which means they phone or email me and ask me for an appointment. I don't call anybody. So it's been wonderful that way. And then, like I said, I'm working 
on growing the fun, passionate side, which is the business coaching. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, you know, me just being curious and I'm going to ask you a question, which is that, uh, is there ever a thought of an exit plan in terms of the financial business and going 100% into one or vice versa or whichever? Um, I'm curious, right? Cause sometimes there's a thought process mm -hmm. that if you put a hundred percent of your effort into one business and just drop everything else, sometimes you can scale that other side a lot bigger. Doesn't mean it's true. It's just a thought process. I'm trying to see what your thought process is. Well, that is, that is, that is a common one. And I've had been asked it many times Well, going, why don't you just go all in and find part of it is it's a little bit hard to explain, but I absolutely, I have, I have a very small client base in comparison to most people that make what I make because I do everything for my clients. I don't do piecemeal. So I become, I love my clients. They're like family to me. And I've always said, I won't take on a client that I would not have to my house for a barbecue. And that's the type of clients that I have. And because I do my business in a very different way than anybody else I've come across. Like the number one thing that people come to me is not for their retirement investing or their life insurance. The number one thing they come to me for, believe it or not, it has nothing to do with how much money they make is, Tammy, can you help me put together an actual budget and so i do a lot of that stuff and i have not been able to find and trust me i have been kind of looking for at least the last five years to find somebody that would be willing and able to take over my business and take care of my clients to the level that i would expect them to like i've had i've had quite a few different people that i know going well i'll, I'll buy out your investment business or i'll buy your insurance business no 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 I want somebody that's going to take care of my clients and, and love my clients like I do. So if I find that person and then I can train them, I would love, but I, I won't just abandon them. Yeah, I understand that. That makes sense. Makes total sense. So which brings up the other point, right? Like you went through a lot of transitions here. Now, actually, I'm going to backtrack a bit more. How did you end up even like growing up, for example, you tell a six-year-old, you know, what do you want to be? And some six-year-olds will tell you they want to be a fire truck and they don't mean a fireman. <laughs> they mean they actually want to be the truck, right? So, and at six years old, you can't fathom that that's not possible. So we often have visions and thoughts of what we want as we age. And that changes along the way, obviously, because like somewhere along the uh, line, you realize you're not going to be the truck and you kind of change your vision. And uh, <laughs> so with that being said, what were your thoughts growing up and where did you end up versus where you thought you were going to go? That's a very good question. So I, I grew up in a very rural area in um, rural Canada and farming community. So that's a lot what I saw. My dad was a trucker, like gravel hauler and things like that. And my mom worked at the uh, hospital. She ran the lab and x-ray department in, our, in the hospital in the community for 42 years before she retired. My mother wanted me to be a doctor and I'm going, mom, I couldn't dissect the worm in the seventh grade. I don't see cadavers in my future. Like it's just Ew, icky, yuck, gross. So that's what that's what she wanted. And the things that always got me were like when we'd watch TV and stuff. Like I was always, I'm a city girl at heart that grew up in the middle of nowhere. And I'd see on TV and like people going into offices and, and business people and stuff like that. And that's what always intrigued me. And when I was really little, the only thing that I ever saw women doing was like being the secretary and the assistant and stuff. So I thought about that for a little bit. And then I started seeing, like one or two women that would actually be in business. And I'm going, well, I don't want to be the secretary. Like I want to be doing what the guys are doing. 
And then when I graduated high school and moved into the city, like I started doing temp jobs and that, and I was temping at investors group and the supervisor loved me and she fired somebody to give me her job and the rest is history going along. Like I never would have thought about going into financial services because that didn't exist when, where I was growing up. Like there was the bank and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was it. So I kind of stumbled into it and I'm good at it. And I like helping people and I would, so that was, that was good. So it wasn't that far off, I guess, from what I imagined as a kid, but what I, where I ended up, wasn't something I could imagine as a kid because it wasn't something that was shown on TV or anything. And like I said, there was, there were no role models. Yeah. You know what? Like, I want to touch a point here. I just realized something you had said that, you know, you have people over for barbecues. So how do I, do I get on that invite? Come and visit. <laughs> Come and visit. Uh, we would happily have you over for a barbecue. We have an incredible view from our deck. <laughs> I bet. I bet. That's awesome. Um, but getting back to the seriousness here and, uh, Although there was half seriousness in that, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I love how you, you know, you kind of, like you just said, you pretty much kind of knew what direction you wanted to go and just took your, it took, you know, time to get there, but you got there kind of thing. Now, yeah. with that being said, where I was going with this, sorry, my mind is, I've got like five thoughts in my head and I'm trying to scramble which one I want to go with. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad I can inspire you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so going to what I was gonna say was, or one of the things I was going to say was that, now, like, like when you you took the plunge. I mean, you got fired. You decided to take the plunge. I mean, and you, in, in a sense, from what you said, you kind of already somewhat started. What was the hardest part of all this? Well, there's a few things that were that were definitely difficult. One of the biggest ones is when you're working for somebody else, they're telling you what to do. You've got your work hours and all of this stuff. So like so much of it is externally led. When you start your own business, you're the one in charge of everything, which in and of itself is the biggest blessing and the biggest curse. And I had to figure, okay, well, what do I have to do? And all of these different different things and, and, and changing how you go about doing things. Like you don't get up and go to the office and suffer through that and all this stuff, but what are you, and okay, well, you already have the clients and the agents that are giving you all the different things that you need to do. You get up in the morning and you go, okay, what do I have to do? I don't have any clients. So I have to do something to find some clients and figuring all of that out. That was probably the biggest thing. And the second, well, it's kind of a toss up between which is the biggest one. When you have a job, even one that you hate, you get paid every two weeks yeah. and it's, it's not what you're worth in most, most cases, but at least you have that money coming in. And I went from making about 55,000 a year, like over 20 years ago to do eat what you kill. Yeah. <laughs> and my first two years in business, I probably made about, I figured it made about 24,000 and that doesn't work out to be like a thousand dollars every month. Like that's the average, like you literally go, okay, there's a few months where you're making next to nothing because I get paid on a commission basis and you're waiting for that business to settle and stuff. And there were times where, okay, I wrote the business up, everything settled, everything's being done. Payday comes, there's no money. Your phone had office. Of the company you're working with oh well an employee that gets paid no matter what they forgot to press a button so you're not going to get paid on this pay cycle but don't worry it'll be there for you next month and going well 
would you like to talk to my mortgage company? Because <laughs> I did everything I'm supposed to. And going through all of that stress, like that was tough. And like you said, I got pregnant shortly after I started my business and then had my daughter. I took 30 hours of mat leave. I worked up until noon of the day I gave birth. And my daughter was seeing clients with me before she was two days old. Oh, wow. Like we just bounce and that was that was that was very very stressful and then after like once i hit the two-year mark i built things up properly and i could have i could have started making money an awful lot sooner because if i just gone out and done like I said, what everybody else did, but I'm going, I want to build my business differently. I really want to have something that I can be proud of and have a positive impact and not just be another insured salesman. So it took me a little while, but after the two year mark, like I built up a reputation and my classes were going and like I said, I was speaking and getting like referrals because people would work with me and then they'd send me their siblings and their coworkers. So I didn't have to be going out marketing and I haven't made less than a hundred thousand net in 20 years, but it was really, really tough that first two years. Absolutely. See, you, you said a key component here. You haven't made less than a hundred thousand net. So many people calculate gross and think that's their income, right? It is so true though, right? Like so many people, yeah, I made $100,000, but you need a $20,000 loan. Well, yeah, I'm in debt. Mm -hmm. But it's like, wait a minute, you just said you made 100,000. How do you owe 20,000? Well, I didn't save for taxes. What'd you do with the rest of the money? Well, expenses, then you didn't really make it. You made 100,000 in sales, not 100,000 yeah. in profit. And that's one that's one of the things that I teach people. What is the difference between cash flow and profit? And if you're you need both. Yes. <laughs> and and how do you how do you determine and stuff like that? And some businesses it's definitely harder. Like fortunately, I have um a fairly low overhead business. So it makes it a little bit easier. But yes, there's a lot of people that do not understand the difference between gross and net. Yeah, hundred percent. So now, like you said, when you're uh self employed, it's like <laughs> It's not like going to the office and then you're just sitting at a desk and just following a, a notepad of uh, instructions. Mm -hmm. You're uh, in a way have to be a self-starter, self-motivator. Oh, totally. 100%. Right. And it's like you said, you basically eat what you kill kind of thing. Now, what was the process of finding clients, right? Because that's kind of interesting for everybody. Well, for, for me, like the biggest thing when whenever whenever you go into financial services, the first thing they say is, okay, get out your pen and 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 your paper and you start listing everybody you know like your friends your family anybody somebody you worked with 40 years ago you put their name down you're going to start calling them <laughs> i'm going oh dear god that is the last thing in the world that i want to do like i absolutely do not want to do that and so i had to figure out okay how am i going to go and find clients without going and pestering all of like my friends and families and coworkers where they get to the point where if they see my number on the phone, they're wanting to like duck and cover. <laughs> so I figured that, okay, I will start going and doing small community trade shows. I would start going and having like a little, little booth. And I did that and I went, okay, anything that's like a small community trade show, the most I'm going to pay for a table is like 75 bucks. Most of them were about 50. So I started like looking for like, anything that I could possibly get into and went through and figured out a few different ways to how to make that a lot more successful and, and, and got pretty good at that. And to be very honest, that's how I started my business. Cause I'm going, I need to get out, meet people. And it's an awful lot easier to make a client a friend than to make a friend a client. That and I tell people it took me nine years to make, to get my mother to be a client. 
because what in the world could I possibly know about anything? She changed my diapers, don't you know? <laughs> That's funny. And so she, now she's been a client, a happy client. And even after she first became a client, she would still question me on everything and go, well, let me check with my friend, my, 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 my person at the bank. And I go, whatever, mom. Now she's to the point where she asked me and she said, any, any financial questions or anything that she's got that her, or her friends have, go, okay, you need to talk to Tammy. But it took me a long time to build that up with, like you said, my mother. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I find this to be a common story, right? Like, cause I, uh, I got my real estate agent's license. Well, I got my mortgage license as well. But besides the point, the fact is that it's always the same story, right? You know, people want to deal with people they know, like, and trust. And there is truth in that, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's one of those things that the same people that know, like, and trust you as we were calling it, also know that you're a day old on the job. <laughs> well, and I tell people, a lot of people will not do anything with you until you've been in business for at least three years. And it's not even necessarily anything against you because here's the thing. They want to know, are you serious? Or is this just the flavor of the month? Because we don't, we all make the jokes about, okay, which MLM are you with this week? Yeah. And they're going, I don't want to start trying your business or anything. Cause even if you do great, if you're not doing it in, in a year, well, then I have to go and find somebody else and all of this stuff. So it's like, truth is, it is so much easier to make a client a friend than a friend a client. And and here's the thing. If you are not going and actively trying to sell to your friends and family, they actually, it's easier to get them to become clients because then they become curious about what you're doing and they're going, okay, well, I want to find out about this. You seem to be doing really well and you're not pestering them that's an interesting perspective it's a different way of looking at it right because like i said the common message is call everyone you know because they already know like and trust you and it's one of those things that even in real estate when i started off i find that people sit on the sidelines like they won't say it to you but they sit on the sidelines because they want to see what you're doing now i never thought of it from the perspective of the see if you're taking it serious but prime example i'm going to use real estate just because i'm in that damn business um and it's one of those things that they're trying to see, like, is you're supposed to be the knowledge broker, the knowledge person. And they, again, they know exactly everything about you already because they saw you go through the venture. So they know you're in your first day of your job. It's not like somebody meets you and they assume that you have all this experience. They, these guys actually know. So what they're doing is they're watching and saying, okay, well, how much does he know? What did he learn or she? And yep. nobody wants to be the first person to call. So the, it's almost like they're, they're waiting for you to do to, to see what you do with other people then decide mm -hmm. if they want to jump on board or jump ship and hide. And with me, like I said, I was in a better position than most when I started, because I'd already been working in the industry for almost 10 years. It's not like, okay, it's something completely, like this was the wheelhouse I was playing in. But the, the other thing that I want to put across to a lot of people is a lot of the time, your friends are going to question, are you actually good at and, and trying to help me? Or am I just helping you because I'm being your sale? Interesting. I also want to unpack another thing, right? Because when you were told to call your everybody you know and write down right away, you just resisted it, right? Now, some of it is exactly what you said, but I found, and this maybe or may not apply to you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, because I mean, I think everybody goes through this, because I've heard everybody say, no, no, I can't call the people they know, and they have a whole bunch of reasons why they can't call that person or why that person won't use them, but nobody's ever tried. Like, very few people try it. It's like, it's almost like a fear. I don't want to say it's a fear, but it's a hesitation for sure. Um, so my question is, like, aside from the fact 
that you wanted to get other people first and sort of, in a sense, prove yourself to them and have them come to you. Was there any fear? Like, was there any feeling of imposter syndrome or where you were like, whoa, or was it strictly just that you just thought it was a bad idea? Well, for me, it was definitely what, like I said, it was an imposter syndrome because like I said, I had already been in the industry for almost a decade. My job was training. Like I, I wasn't lacking in the technical skills at all. I'm the one that when an agent had a problem or a difficult case, I'm the one that had to figure it out and help them and all that stuff. So I didn't have a a problem with the imposter syndrome, but it was just like, no, I am not going to sour relationships because like you said, I'd seen in almost a decade of training other agents, the first thing the managers, yeah, get your list, start writing down everybody's name, start contacting them and hearing how people would get the responses and stuff and and they get to the point and, and being on the receiving end of those phone calls, not just from the from the insurance agents, but anybody else that's gotten into, like I said, the multi-level marketing, the first thing they do, okay, I haven't heard from you in 20 years. Oh, what are you trying to sell me? And I'm going, I did not want to be that person. I didn't want to sour the, the relationships. And I'm going, if somebody wants to work with me or they want help, I will happily do that. But I want to attract them, not scare them yeah, off. Yeah. See, there's another point you brought up here, right? Is because when you're dealing with family or friends, there could be some awkwardness and you, and you're, again, the fear that I heard was that the fear of ruining the relationship because you're pushing them versus them wanting to come to you, right? And that's a possibility too, because how many times have you heard uh, friends doing business or family doing business, then all of a sudden you bump into them and, oh, I'm not on talking terms with that person. So that does happen. Um, yeah. So interesting perspective. Now, with that being said, that was your struggle, but there must have been also a moment in time because everyone has that doubt saying did i do the right thing should i just got another job should i done this or should i done that and what happens is something happens that sometimes it's unexpected or something happens sometimes as expected and you have that moment where you go yep that's my aha moment i know i'm where i'm supposed to be have you experienced that moment and what was that it was it was quite funny so for about five years after i started my business i would still get regularly headhunted and I would be offered like some pretty darn good jobs that if I was still like wanting to be employed, that they'd be really hard to turn down. But even in the first few years, like I said, when I was struggling and I wasn't making a lot of money yet and all of that, I I'd get a call or, or, or a, a lunch request from a headhunter and I'd go, no, I really appreciate that, but no. <laughs> And part of it that made it easy is one of the many reasons why I finally decided to start my business when I got fired instead of just, okay, fine, I'll just, I'll have a little bit more time to go interviewing, was my husband and I were looking at starting our family. And I'm going, I do not want to be getting my daughter up at 5.30 in the morning so I can get her to daycare so that I can get through rush hour so I can get to the office and work for this person that I freaking can't stand. And then pick her up at 5.30, get her home for like maybe half an hour before she goes to sleep. I don't want to miss out on the first words and the first steps and all this stuff. And if I have a job, I'm going to, because I can't do that. Where if I have my own business, if I go into sales, as much as that's terrifying, because I did not want to, I'm an introvert. I did not want to go into sales, especially I sell life insurance. Like I'm the biggest joke on the planet. Like we say, I'm a life insurance salesman. We picture Herb Tarlick from WKRP in <laughs> Cincinnati. But I'm going, I can set my life up around having a child. And I, and, and I did, like I said, I took 30 hours 
of mat leave in my first six months before my daughter started crawling and stuff, she'd come to my appointments with me. Like I had clients who went through the pregnancy with me and would rub my belly for luck. And then I'd show up with the, I had, I had it set up. I'd have my purse and my briefcase and my diaper bag and my baby and I could get in and they go, Oh, can I hold the baby? Of course you can and hand her off. And we're, we're going through and putting the plan and she's doing all this stuff. And then when she started um, to crawl and get moved around and things like that, and I nursed exclusively for, for for 10 months. She wouldn't take a bottle. If I gave her a bottle, she'd projectile vomit. So I had, okay, I've got an hour and a half, two hours tops for an appointment. And then I have to get back to feed. So we would set up our appointments in the evening. And when I started, I had a, had a partner that came with me. And what we would do, because my husband was working nights, is we would go to her place. Because we were also doing our marketing in a very specific geographical area, which made it easier. But I would feed my daughter and change her diaper and pass it off to her husband and he would look after her and then we would go out do an appointment in the community and then we would come back i would change the diaper feed we'd go out and do our second appointment then i'd pick her up and i'd go home and we were that's what we did for the first little bit and then um i actually after a little while i brought my husband home i had a house husband for a few years because it was way better for me to be able to go out and see clients and work my business while he stayed home with our daughter than to do the juggling and me miss out on appointments because he's doing a job that he doesn't really like and isn't making very much money at in comparison to what I can got do. it got it so that's awesome and that's a great perspective right and I love how the fact that this gave you time opportunity and um, you have the unlimited potential which a lot of people don't you know sometimes yes. people focus on what they're doing right now not what they could be doing mm-hmm Right. And another lesson that I've got out of this and is that um, sometimes it's just important, just as important to know what you need to stop doing as it is to yep. learn what to do. Exactly. Like the, the, the mindset and the activity and time set that you have as an employee is very, very different as an entrepreneur. And longer you struggle figuring that out, the harder it's going to be. Exactly. Now, a lot of people you know like look entrepreneurship has become a great buzzword right now it's something that everyone thinks it's cool it wasn't always i mean once upon a time you would have been labeled stupid for being into entrepreneurship but (laughs) now it's a cool buzzword and it's not really meant for everybody but everybody really likes the idea of it oh it's not and a few actually succeed going through it because when they see the reality of it, it scares them off. And now there's a lot, so a lot of people that are interested in it, but are too scared to, you know, to start, or they feel there's something hindering them. My question is, what would your advice be to, to somebody who's sort of looking on, has an idea, wants to get started, doesn't know where to start, is too scared to start, but wants to get over that hurdle? Well, my biggest thing would be like you need to you need to start learning about the actual business side of things like the big thing especially with younger people right now like my daughter's 20 now um is they want to be like in social media influencers and stuff like that and then going yes it works for a few people but that is not the reality for the vast majority and different things like that but start learning about the business aspects before you're forced to or before you take the big leap um there's two books that i highly recommend to have people um check out is the e-myth by michael gerber i call that the business the business bible another one before it's uh before you quit your job by robert kiyosaki it's part of the rich dad poor dad advisor series and it helps go through um and 
anybody can be an entrepreneur, but not everybody can. And I've been teaching my, I, I teach a small business class and have been for like almost 19 years now. And I've had a few people that when I've finished going through the class, we get to Sunday at the graduation part and they've come up to me and they go, now that I actually really understand all the different things that go into it, I'm not going to do it. It's not for me. And I'm going, oh, thank you. Perfect. Wonderful. I would much rather have you discover that it's not for you. It's not your personality. It's not what you want to do now before you've put your, a few years, your life savings and your self-worth into it. Like it's not for everybody. My husband is not an entrepreneur. Absolutely not. He is a dream employee. That's where he's happiest. It's great. He is not an entrepreneur. I am a thousand percent unemployable. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> and I'd say like, start looking for basic all around business training. Like that's, that's what I do. And there's, there's tons of business coaches and stuff out there. And there's a lot of them that are awesome. And the big thing right now is all about social media marketing because social media is absolutely everything. If you don't have a presence, you don't exist, but they'll, they're, they're selling these courses on how, like how to have like a knockout Facebook ad so that you could fill your course and stuff like that, but they're not teaching them the financials or the systems or how to put together their habits or anything. And they're bringing in people that are not ready for that part. If you don't have a foundation, don't go decorating the living yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get that. I do have a question for you that we might either going to be on the exact same page or polar opposites, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. Yeah, so both are good. <laughs> what's more important, sales or marketing? They're both the same. They are tied together. The marketing is the stuff that brings in, so that you can make the sale. There's a lot of people that are very good at the marketing. They'll bring the people in, but they can't close anything to save their life. And then there's people that they're really good at the sales, but if they don't have the people to talk to, they are the same, they're different sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. That's an interesting perspective and not exactly the uh, where, I, where I thought you were going to go with it, which is kind of good. So it saved the controversy, but not exactly the same thought. <laughs> like, I believe they are different. I agree with you on when you say that you can't really have with one without the other, right? Like, it's like, if nobody knows you, no one's calling you. They are different. And if, and if someone calls you and you don't know what to do with them, you're not really going to close the deal either. But, um, but I believe, like my perspective, is that uh, you have to pick one. I would choose the marketing over the sales. And my reasoning is, that if people, again, it goes back to what I said, you might be able to close one or two people that you bump into and get to know, but you're not going to make a business off of one or two people. Now, if people don't know you, they won't choose you. Now, if you're the most known person there, you can hire somebody who's good at closing to answer the phones. You can hire someone to take the lead on a meeting, but you can't hire the customer to call you. I will, I will totally give, I will totally give you that. But the reason why I go, like I said, they're, they're the different sides of the same coin. So back before I started my business, when I was running the agencies and stuff like that, I had two different women and they were polar opposite for their skill sets. One, she was the cold calling queen. Like this is how good she was. She managed to cold call her way into taking out the president of talisman energy for lunch and if you don't understand what like the scope of that that would be like um cold calling jeff bezos at amazon and going and getting to take him to lunch like she could do it 
but she couldn't close the sale to save her life because she could get the door, she could get her foot in the door, but then she never learned how to shut up and actually get the sale closed. And I had another agent that in the same office and she wasn't very good at the marketing. She was shy. She didn't like going out doing that. But if you got her in front of somebody, she closed it. It was done. And it was really, really good. And I tried to partner them up because like I said, they would have been a deadly team, deadly. And my person, the closer, she's like, yes, this would be a good deal. Like I said, you guys split the sales and she gets you in the door and you guys would both be making like a lot more money. But the one that was good at the cold calling, she didn't want to give up half of the pie. She'd rather keep 100% of a really, really teeny tiny little pie than 50% of a gigantic pie. So it never worked out. But I'm just going, they would have been a deadly team. But like I said, the one she cold called her way into taking out the president of Talisman and then talked herself out of the sale. Yeah, see, that's the other thing I noticed. If you want to scale you have to learn to collaborate. I mean, 50% of $100 million is a hell of a lot more than 100% of a million dollars, right? Because everyone can say 100% is zero because that's the example everybody uses. But the truth of the matter is that if somebody works hard enough, it's never going to be zero. And if they make that million, they can say, look, I made a million dollars and I kept it all to myself. Yeah, but if you had uh, collaborated with people, you might have made 50% or or 25% of 100 million, which is still a hell of a lot of more. And nobody thinks of that. Yeah, and she could not wrap her head around that. She couldn't. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I mean, I get that even with uh, in, in, in the real estate business as example. Like where, uh, like sometimes people don't can't fathom the idea that using a real estate agent could actually help them and, and actually get more money because they have a network of people. Mm-hmm. They just think that they can just put a sign on the lot themselves. Why do they need us? Well, it's 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 not even just that they get more, but they do not understand all the things that they don't know and how they could get themselves in major trouble and end up having it cost them like so. Yeah, it blows my mind. It, it, it's just one of those things, right? It's perceived value in some people. You can try to get them. They just can't wrap their head around anything other than the fee or the split, right? So it is what it is. And I've learned that, you know, when you get to that, there's just no way of fixing that. It's just better to move on. But uh, with that being said, and in light of time, I'm going to ask you two more questions before I get into what I call the lightning round. So second last question is, how do you know you've had a successful day? I've had all sorts of different successful days. Different things make them successful. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a geek. So a big one is, so I've, I have my list of things that I want to do or thing and things that need to be done. Um, I really definitely feel like I've had a successful day when I've been able to get a lot of those things taken care of. Um, I've had other days that have felt very successful because I've had a day filled with clients and I'm helping them and that I've had days that felt very successful when I'm busy doing like the creative work and I'm, I'm getting that and you get the energy from the brainstorming and, and building something. There's a lot of different ways to have a successful day. It's, or sometimes when I'm just, you know what, I've, I'm taking the day off and I'm going to relax. I'm going to spend some time with a friend. I'm going to spend some time with a husband, my husband or my daughter and all of that stuff. Those are successful days as well. There is no one type of successful day. Got it. Now, last but not least before the lightning round is for everyone who wants to reach out to you and connect with you, where would they go? So best place to find me is my website, which is 
ksabusiness.ca, ksa is kick some ass business.ca, because I'm a pasty white Canadian. And you can find me on Instagram at ksa.business. Those are the two fastest ways to find me. Fantastic. Now let's get into the lightning round. And I'm going to start off question number one with my favorite. What is your favorite food? What is my favorite food? Oh, well, like with most things, there's a bunch of different ones. But if I'm if I'm going right now, like a really nice steak dinner with like the 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 garlic mashed potatoes and a Caesar salad, fresh tomatoes and dill pickles. Oh, Love and that. mushrooms, mushrooms. Oh, those are the best. Can't have steak without mushrooms. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> favorite vacation spot and why favorite vacation spot well unfortunately i haven't been able to do a lot of traveling yet because with business and child and all of this stuff i'm just starting to go to different places but a place that i absolutely love is costa rica it is gorgeous it is friendly it's basically tropical canada <laughs> they are very green and environmental they they haven't had an army since 1957 because they figured there was much better ways to invest their time, energy, and money. And it is just absolutely gorgeous. And it is one of the countries that has been reversing deforestation and they've been very successful with it. Wonderful. Favorite podcast or book? I mean, the book, you kind of said it earlier. Well, my uh, probably what I would call for book um, I would say that's the success principles by Jack Canfield. Cause oh. I, I refer to that as the life Bible. That is the Coles notes version of everything that I've been reading, learning, studying, teaching for decades. And it is the first book I read every single year. It is my favorite book to give as a gift. So I'd say that's um, my absolute favorite one. And for podcasts, there are so many good ones out there and I've, been very active on being a guest on podcasts over the last year and a half. And I have met so many amazing people doing great things around the world that it would be pretty much impossible to pick a favorite. Got it. All right. Last but not least, if you had unlimited amount of money, but you had to spend it in 48 hours, what you spend, you get to keep what you don't, you lose. What would you do? Are there any rules on how I have to spend it? Nope. Okay. So um, I built my, I would place the order and pay for my, my, my dream home. Um, I'd get my husband a new car. Uh, I'd buy a bunch of plane tickets. Um, I would buy a condo for my daughter so that when she's finished university, she's good to go. And there's, a lot of charities that I would be uh, giving a lot of money to some ones that I know there's many great charities, but there's a few that are very, very close to my heart. And I would actually be investing in a few of my clients' businesses. Like one of my goals is to build up enough resources that I can be an angel investor because I've seen so many people with great businesses. They're hardworking. They're doing all the right stuff, but it doesn't matter how many times the banks tell you they love small business. They're lying through their damn teeth. Banks hate business, small businesses. They, they detest them. They love big business and they love employees. And unless you can prove to them, no, I absolutely do not need any money from you whatsoever because I'm just rolling a cash. They won't even talk to you. So I would love to be an angel investor. So trust me, I could go through a lot of money in 48 hours and have it set up for eternity. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Tammy, thank you so much for being on the show. 
Well, thank you for having me. This was a very interesting conversation, and I hope you and your listeners enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great one. I'm happy about it. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more, subscribe to the link below.